that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as they learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Thank you, team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Just, would you mind just staying there throughout? Can you do that for me? Thank you for coming. He came to, to help us this morning, and awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. So today, I'm going to talk about the most important message that I probably have ever preached from here. I believe God has sent me on an assignment for the next couple of weeks to talk about the most important blessing, the most important blessing in the history of mankind. It is in this topic that I'm bringing, this this thing I'm going to talk about today, that is what everything in Christianity hinges on. Every blessing you will ever receive, Every blessing you are receiving now, on earth, in the demonic world, in heaven, this one thing is what makes it possible. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus. And I want to hopefully bring some revelation today. Because we as Christians... We plead the blood of Jesus. We talk about the blood of Jesus. We cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus. We know the scripture that says, with the blood of Jesus, we will overcome the enemy. It says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of that testimony. But if Satan turns back to you and says, yeah, but what do you know about the blood? Most believers will say, yeah, he died for me and shed his blood for me and washed away my sins, which is, if that's all Jesus did for us, we would not even have enough tongues to thank him in all eternity. If that was all that he did for us. But I'm here on assignment today, and possibly the next two weeks or however God leads me to do. To show you what Jesus did when he shed his blood. The benefits that you should have an understanding. So that when you talk about the blood of Jesus, you know what you're talking about. Because the enemy, he knows, the devil knows what the power of the the blood of Jesus carries. He knows the power. And so what he tries to do is to make us ignorant of it. And so you're saying the blood of Jesus, you're pleading the blood of Jesus, but you really don't have an understanding, a full understanding of what the blood has done for you in heaven, on earth, and in the kingdom of darkness. And so today I want to just share you some things that the blood of Jesus has done. And I will also show you how Jesus shed his blood in seven places. And what each of those mean. So if you've never done this before, make sure you have something you're writing scriptures on. When you get home this week, study this. So that you can get it into your spirit. Amen? Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. It says, For it pleased the Father 
that in him all the fullness should dwell. And to him and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured a redemption forever. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy. To take the scroll, only he was worthy. And to open the seals, for you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, and out of every nation. There is nowhere the blood of Jesus cannot reach. There is no one the blood of Jesus cannot touch. The blood of Jesus. Let it never be too familiar with, with, it, with, with it. Don't be too familiar with it. All your struggles, all your bondages, every fear, everything you will ever experience, every sickness, every disease bows to you when you understand the effectiveness and the power in the blood of Jesus. Every issue in your life every issue in your life no matter what the devil does the blood of Jesus has done it all the best God did for humanity was that his blood was not shed for good people he gave his blood for the worst of us we were not good enough we could never be good enough and the Bible says it here in Romans chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. It says, For scarcely a righteous man will die for one. Yet perhaps for a good man, somehow, someone would even dare to die. It says, But God demonstrated his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to read that in the message. Because in the message, it really brings it home. It says, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. He said, but God put his love on the line for us. By offering his son in sacrificial death while we were yet of what, <laughs> I love that, of no use to him, whatever. We were useless. No use to God whatsoever. We were lost. We were depraved. There was nothing good in us. And he chose to die for us. He chose to spill his blood for us. His blood paid to buy us. When you talk about redemption... Saying that his blood redeemed us. Redemption means when you buy something, when you get it back, it was lost, and you went and you purchased it. 
And the thing was that God did that for us twice. He created us. And we got lost. And he sent Jesus to use his blood to buy us back. So he owns us because he created us. And then he paid for us again, twice now. Through the precious blood of Jesus. First Peter chapter 18 First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. We know how to buy things that are precious for us. When we have something we love and the more you pay for it, the more precious it is. He says, no, that's not what Jesus did. He says he bought us, he redeemed us with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood of Jesus solved all our problems. Hmm. You know how man is, we are complex. I'm telling you, we don't even understand ourselves. Complex human beings, problems always, you finish one, another one comes. He says the blood of Jesus solves all our problems for us. The first one is the problem of sin. You see that in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. Sin. Where you find yourself, the Bible, Paul said, the things I will do, I don't do them. And the things I hate, that's the things I want to do. He says, oh wretched man, who can save me? From this body of death. We know who can save us from it. The blood of Jesus. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. From all sins. Thank you. The blood of Jesus no matter how what you've done, no matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus can cleanse you. And even that, he went beyond just the sin. He went to the problem of guilt. Because sometimes we, we ask God to forgive us, and that demon of guilt just follows you all the days of your life. The blood took care of that too. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. He says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Because if you have guilt, you don't want to go near God. You feel you're not clean, you're not good enough. He says, the blood of Jesus takes care of that too. It cleanses our conscience so that we can worship God. He says, for by the power of the eternal spirit, eternally, you don't have to have guilt. He says, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So the guilt is taken off. You now have a clean conscience and you cannot go to God because you don't have to carry the guilt of that thing you did years ago that the enemy just keeps hounding you about. And then he tells us again, when Satan comes to accuse you, 
You know how it is, even when maybe you don't have guilt anymore, so often the enemy just comes and wants to accuse you, to remind you again, so you can pick that thing up. The blood of Jesus took care of that too. You see how wonderful, how powerful, how good the blood of Jesus is. It says here in Revelations chapter 10, chapter 12, verses 10 to 11, it says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one that Satan who accuses them before our God day and night. He never stops. But the blood of Jesus is right there at the throne. And when he comes to accuse you, the blood speaks on your behalf. And in verse 11 says, And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, your testimony of what the blood of Jesus has done for you. The testimony that the blood has cleansed you. The blood has brought you back. You now belong to Jesus, to God. The blood reconciled us with God. Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. It says, For I please the Father, that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, he made peace through the blood of Jesus for us. He reconciled us, brought us back to God. Reunited us to God. We were lost, he brought us back. The blood brought us back and put us in the presence of God. The junction... Jesus stood there and said, The blood, I won't let you. I won't let you go and be lost forever. He stood there with the blood and he stretched out all eternity. Every man, every woman that has fallen, all of us, because of the, the, the scene in the Garden of Eden. He brought back everything God originally meant for us to have. Amen. And then the blood spares us from the wrath of God. Oh, I think about the wrath of God that's coming to this world. I think about the end of time when the wrath of God will be poured out on this world. But thanks to the blood of Jesus, we've been spared from that wrath. Amen? We don't have to worry about 666. We don't have to worry about Antichrist. We don't have to worry about all of that. The blood of Jesus has saved us from that. And we are going to go to heaven and escape the wrath that is coming on this world. Hallelujah. It says in Romans 5, 9, much more than have we now be justified. Justified means just as if I'd never. You're justified. When God looks at you, it's as if you've never done that thing wrong. When God looks at you, it's just as if you've never sinned. What made that possible is the blood of Jesus that is on you. Amen? It says more than, much more than, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through Him, through the blood. The blood grants us access to God's presence. When you go to pray, it's not because you are a great intercessor. It's not because you have those eloquent words to say. It's not because you can pray long and hard. The very 
fact that you can go into the presence of God at all. The most high God, the creator of heaven and earth. The one who has no beginning, who has no end. The fact that you can go into his presence to talk to him is because by the blood of Jesus, you would never have had the access to God. When he shed his blood, that veil tore from bottom, from top to bottom, never to be put up again. Nothing will ever separate you from the presence, from the face, from the goodness, from the mercy of God because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. We now have access to his presence. The blood is all that and more. If we want to talk about all the things the blood of Jesus has done, I'll be doing this in 12, 12 weeks and I won't be finished. But I want to see, tell you today what Jesus did for you, for now when you walk on this earth. For the many years we'll be here. Let's see what the blood did for you and what the blood did for me. So that we can live victorious lives. So that we can live lives that give praise and honor to the Lord. He could have just died to save us and put us in heaven. Like I said, that would have been more than enough. But the love of God, the love that Jesus had for us, where we were yet sinners, where we were useless to Him, we were of no use whatsoever. Not only did He die to give us all heaven, But look at what he did for us, for here, for our lives here. And so we're going to look at the places that Jesus, we're going to take a a walk, come on a journey with me this morning. Let's go from the Garden of Gethsemane to him dying on the cross. And let's see what Jesus did for us. Let's see what Jesus did for us. He went to Gethsemane. If you remember and if you know God, Jesus was 100% God and he was a 100% man. So in his God, him being God, he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. He knew what he had to go through. So when he went to the garden to pray, why the garden of Eden? Why the garden at Gethsemane? Because he started in the garden guess where it had to end? In the garden. It was in the garden of Eden that man fell. Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane to start the plan, to start the process of redemption. When he was in the garden, it was stressful. He was so stressed. There's a condition, I'm trying to remember the name, very rare. Most people never experience that amount of stress. But there are some people that when they get to a certain level of stress, they actually begin to cry and to sweat blood. That's what happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was under such stress. Can you imagine having to carry the sins of the whole world on your own shoulders? Every lie, every stealing, every abortion, every murder, every betrayal, name it. Every anger, 
everything that is evil, despicable. He was he had to carry that. As a man, he didn't want to. So he cried out to the Lord and said, God, Father, if there's be anywhere, any way you can let this cup of suffering pass from me. But then he said one thing that I'm forever thankful for. He said, Father, not my will. Your will. You remember in the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve said, Father, my will, not your will. And here was Jesus saying, Father, your will, not my will. And I imagine God looking at him, his only child, his only son, and saying, you have to drink this cup. It's my will. And God, Jesus surrendered his will to the will of God. And in doing that, he began to sweat blood because of the pressure of having to give his will under the will of God. And when he was sweating that blood, you know what he was doing? He was restoring back to us the will, the ability to tell Satan, No! He was restoring to us the strength to stand on the will of God, to stand on what the scripture says. And for us to be able to crucify this flesh, he was standing and doing that when he was sweating that blood. So now we can also say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah! He sweats turned into blood. His sweat turned into blood. He won back our willpower and then also he won back our ability to resist temptation. Do you know how tempting it was for Jesus to say, you know what, Father? Really, it can just be me, you and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Do we need all these depraved people? Do we need all these people... Look at what they've done over the, over the years. You, I mean, have you ever read the Judges? <laughs> when I was doing a study on the book of Judges, even myself, I was angry. Because they would come and save them, do all these things for them. They will repent, repent, repent. You turn the chapter. They've all gone back again to their ways. Over and over. And I'm like, just kill them. Why, why, do, you need, why do you need us? You think about the way we live too, right? Why, why didn't God just say, you know, I don't want you to suffer. Just come. Let them, let them all go to hell and be with Satan anyway. They, they did all of that. He didn't do that. And not only that, he could have just said, you know what? Okay, let them take him from his house to the cross. Nail him. He shed his blood, right? But why did he have to suffer? Because of what he wants us to experience here on earth. Because he wanted to make sure everything the enemy took from us, he gave it back to us. That's why you must appreciate what he did through the blood of Jesus. We must appreciate that. He gave us the will to resist temptation. No matter how hard that thing is, you can take your eye away from it. 
No matter how much it's tempting to lie, you can say, I will not lie. No matter how good it feels to the flesh, you can now say no. Because Jesus was able to resist the temptation too at the garden. Amen? And then the most important thing, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. To see what the sweat meant. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, when God drove them out of, of the garden, he, he cursed them and told them, he says, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. God cursed them and said until you sweat, the land will not be fruitful to you. And God, Jesus went back to the garden of Gethsemane and sweated blood to make sure that we, are no long, we no longer have to sweat to get things that we need from God. Working hard and having nothing to show for it is no longer our portion. Having a difficult life from lack is no longer our portion. Sweating before you make ends meet is no longer your portion. Jesus went and sweated on your behalf in the garden to make sure the sweat that God cursed us with when we fell is no longer part of our lives. So if you are here today and things are hard for you, you can't pay your bills. You have to have work 80 hours a week. You have to have two, three, four jobs. That is not God's will for you. God doesn't want you to sweat to eat. Jesus has sweated it for us. Hallelujah. Number two, the second place he bled. We are going to see that in Matthew chapter 27 verse 26. He bled from his back and he had internal bleeding. It says, so they set Barabbas free for them. But after, after having Jesus whipped severely, they handed him over to be crucified. It was foretold in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. It says, for he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten. So we could be made whole. He was whipped. So we could be healed. When they beat him. The Bible says here. Severely. Severely. He was beaten so badly. I don't know how many of you have watched the passion. You saw the beating he received. Where flesh on his back. Peeled out, and you could actually, they said you could actually see his organs because the whip they used had glasses and nails attached to it. And so, when they whipped him and they pulled that thing, he pulled flesh. And they didn't do it just once. The Bible says here they whipped him severely. If you read about the scourging, how the Romans, the Romans hated the Jews, hated. Just like people still hate the Jews today, which makes no sense. They hated the Jews. So for someone to come and say he's the king of Jews, they wanted to really dehumanize him. They whipped him so bad, his organs were showing through the back. He was bleeding internally. Why? So that you and I wouldn't have to carry sickness or disease. 
so that you and I can never be broken again. So that our organs inside can function the way they were meant to function. He took the pain, he bled internally, he bled from his back. So that you don't have to carry the weight of whatever it is that the enemy wants to put on you. The heaviness that just weighs you down. You don't have to accept it anymore. Jesus made sure that he shed his blood from his back. And he got beaten. His whole organs were bleeding on the inside for you and for me. It says he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed our sins. He was beaten so that we can be made whole. And those stripes he took must never be in vain. Must never be in vain. So when the enemy comes to you and tries to put stuff on you, remind him of what the blood has done for you. Remind him that you are not meant to carry that anymore. Remind him that because of the blood of Jesus, you are now made whole and complete. Amen? He bled internally. He bled internally. His organs were destroyed. Hallelujah. Then the third place he bled was from his face. You all know or you've seen either a picture in person, I'm a nurse, so I've seen people that have either been in an accident or been beaten, and their family members come to the bedside and they don't recognize the person because the face, the eye is now here, the mouth is now here, everything is not in the place it's supposed to be. Think of Jesus. They beat him so hard. Luke chapter 22, verses 63 and 64. It says, Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they mocked him, made fun of him. It says, And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face. And asked him, saying, Prophesy. Who is the one who struck you? And many things and many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. People are still mocking Christianity today. Still mocking God. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says this. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me. He gave it. I've never seen anybody who gives his body to be beaten. They're usually jumped on or, or they're in a fight. But to willingly give your back and to give your face. He says, I willingly gave my cheeks to those who plucked out the bed. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. I know... And that for a man to have your beard plucked out, I can't even imagine the pain. You know, us ladies sometimes we want to tweak 
her eyelashes, right? You know the tears that come from your eyes just to pluck one little, one little hair. But imagine him giving his face and they are plucking his beard out one by one so he can can you imagine the bleeding he did that so that you don't have to be mocked you don't have to be shamed anymore when we left when we fell in the garden we were disfigured God couldn't recognize us that's why when he came to the garden he says where are you Adam and Eve, where are you? He couldn't recognize them. Sin had disfigured them. And because God cannot look at sin, we were lost. He couldn't look at us. Because when he saw us, he didn't recognize us. We were disfigured. And Jesus allowed his own face to become disfigured. So that we can put back on the image of God. So that God cannot look at us and recognize us. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a little bit... See, I don't understand this. I don't, because I won't let nobody beat me. And I certainly won't let nobody beat my child. He allowed his face to be disfigured so that we can never be disfigured anymore. So if you understand this, you know why, how it can be so easy for you to say no to sin? If you really get an understanding on, of these things that he did for us, how it will be so easy for you to say no. If God recognizes me now, if I cry and he looks and he says, yes, that is Angela, I am not going to let anything disfigure me anymore. That's why the Bible says when you sin, God cannot look into sin. He has to turn his face away because you are disfigured. And so now that your face has been restored because of what Jesus did, because he was so beaten beyond recognition, why would you let anything to disfigure you again? Why would you let anything to make God turn his back on you again? Why? Why? His face was so disfigured. The Bible says in Isaiah 52 verse 14, it says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. That's from scripture. So that's what we look in the spirit when we sin. He had to be that because that's exactly what we look like when we sin. He had to be that so that we can be recognized by God again. Amen? Number four, the, last, the, the fourth place he bled was from his head. Matthew 27, 26, 29 to 30, sorry. He says, and then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. And they said, Hail, the king of the Jews. Then they spat on him. And they took a stick, a staff, and struck him in the head, the Bible says, again and again. 
So you know what was happening? Those spikes, from what I hear, they said if you go to Israel, you still have those kind of bushes, the thorny bushes, it's everywhere. And think of the way it must have been the person to, for them to carefully take that and weave it to make it like a crown. That shows you how the devil really wanted Jesus to suffer, but he didn't know what Jesus was doing. And when they put him on his head, they just didn't put it gingerly and leave the man alone. They got a stick and made sure they ran those stones. They said those stones are up to four inches, six inches long. They ran all those things into his brain. So he was bleeding from his head and he was bleeding in, inside his head internally. And why was he doing that? Why was he doing that? He was doing that so that we can have the mind of Christ. So that we can have the thoughts of God. So that we are no longer tormented by our thoughts. So that we can now think good thoughts, not thoughts of evil. The Bible says now we have the mind of Christ. He did that. He took our tormented minds. He took our tormented thoughts. When he allowed that thing to be driven, those stones to be driven into his brain. You now have the mind of Christ. You can think the way God wants you to think. You can renew your mind now. You can no longer allow those thoughts to just run rampant in your mind. You cannot have self-defeating thoughts anymore. You cannot be hopeless anymore. The blood of Jesus that was shed in his head by the thorns that he carried has now released you to have the mind of Christ. To say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And you can make the right decisions now. You can make the right decisions now. You can think to do something and God will show you the way to do it and you will make that decision. You have the ability to do that now. Bleeding from his hands. Give me five minutes. So much, so much to talk about. Number five was he bled from his hands. Psalm 22 verse 16. It says, My enemies surrounded me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They put his nails. They said in those days, usually what they do is they tie them. It's not like now where you go to Home Depot and get nails. They don't have nails like man. They usually would tie their hands and tie their feet. But in Jesus' case, they went and got nails. And they used those nails, went through his hand. Because God says our hands must prosper. Anything you lay your hands to do will prosper. So Jesus took all of that, bled from his hands, so that whatever you do now can prosper. Any business you start should do well now. You cannot put your hands on somebody and say be healed and that person will be healed. Because now you have the hand of Jesus. You cannot tell the devil, put your hand on somebody and say, Satan, come out. The devil understands because he sees the blood. Amen? He bled from his feet. I'm going to hurry up. But next week we're going to continue. Not on this, another, I will take you from another angle. We'll do this until Easter. Number six, he bled from his feet. In Romans chapter 10 verse 15. He says, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for them beforehand that we should walk on them. When Jesus bled from his feet, he gave you the ability to walk, to walk with him. He gave the ability for you to go to people and bring the good news. He gave you the ability for you to now have dominion because this earth that we stand on has been given to the sons of men. Now the Bible says where your feet goes, as long, as fast your feet can go, he will give you dominion. He will give it to you. The blood of Jesus shed from his feet made that possible. You cannot have dominion. You can step into a place, if it's an office and there's every chaos there, you can step into that place and bring the peace of God in there. You can go to anybody now and tell them about Jesus because your feet have been sanctified. No matter what the enemy is doing, you can walk into that now. You have the authority because you now carry the blood of Jesus on your feet. Amen? And lastly, we'll come back to this message another time. There's so much. Lastly, he bled from his side. John chapter 19 verses 34. Verse 34. It says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately, blood and water came out. The way they said it was done then was, typically when you spare them, when they've been there so much, so many times, hours, they've not died, it was like a mercy death, pretty much. In the case of Jesus, they wanted him to, just to get it over with so they can go ahead and do the feast that was coming up, and they knew that, you know, they, they, had, they couldn't break his leg like they normally do the others. So they just went there to finish it. And the spear went in through his heart to make sure he died quickly and burst his heart open. He was broken hearted for us. He was broken hearted for you and for me. So that you, you don't have to be broken hearted anymore. Your heart can be put back together. No matter what you've been through. No matter the pain you've been through. You don't have to have a broken heart anymore. God can heal your heart. Jesus can heal your heart. The blood of Jesus was shed from his side. His heart pierced. So that your heart can be complete and whole. And that blood gushed out. So that you can be brought near to his side again. You can walk now in closeness to God. You can be close to him as much as you want to be. I don't know how, how as believers when we understand these things, how we will not take advantage of it. So I wanted to bring these seven things out to you today. So that when you now go to the enemy, every area that he has taken care of by the blood, all the seven places. And seven means completion. It means complete, finished, whole. He did all of this and made it seven. 
so that you are whole in every area of your life. He covered every single area for you. You cannot have the mind of Christ. You cannot be brought near to Him. Your heart can be healed. Your hands are now blessed. Everything you touch prospers. You now have the feet that can carry good news to other people and tell them, see what He's done for me. Your back can never be broken by hardness or by sickness or disease. You don't have to labor and sweat before you put food on your table. You can have as much as you can, your faith allows you to have. Amen? So stand on your feet this morning. And I'm going to have Gemini come back. That last song, I want you to come back and sing that song. And as she ministers that song, I just want you to thank the Lord for the blood of Jesus, for what He has done for you, for here, while you are alive in this world. I want you to thank Him. I want you to thank Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you for the blood of Jesus. Raise your hands, raise your hands as we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the blood that you apply to every area of our lives. Thank you for your blood that you willingly shed for every man. Father, we are so thankful. Jesus, we are so, so, so thankful. So thankful, eternally grateful to you. That because of that blood that you shed, not only have we been reconciled with God, not only have we now audience with God, not only have we been rescued, but God Almighty, you made sure the blood of Jesus brought back for us everything that the enemy took from us. We give you praise and we give you glory. During this period when we meditate on the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Father, bring to our minds, reveal yourself to us in new ways of what the blood of Jesus has achieved for us. Father, as we go into our week, Lord, I call the blessings of heaven upon your people. Your word says goodness and mercy will follow us. All the days of our life. I decree and I declare blessings. I decree and I declare favor. I decree and I declare, oh God, that all the goodness of heaven. We follow your children this week. Lord, everything they put their hands to do will prosper. Father, protect their minds, protect their emotions, oh God. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for 21 years of serving you. Thank you for 21 years of your faithfulness. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' mighty name and the people of God said, Amen and Amen.